This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to Blood Red Live. Uh, I'm Connor Dunn and I'm going to be introducing Neil Fitzmaurice, who puts the poetry in motion. Here he is, Neil, everybody. Thank you very much. What a handsome lad he is, look. We thought we'd start the evening with a bit of glamour before this our ugly get comes on. How are we people? Are we okay? How are we feeling? Is it the greatest team in the world or what? All right, Mark. Well, so just as a show of hands, how many went to Madrid? Just keep your hands up. How many had tickets? You did well, you did well. Round of applause for the team. Round of applause for the Reds. Bringing it home for the sixth time. I'm going to bring in our first guest this evening. I've uh, been wanting to get this fella on for quite a while, to be honest with you. Uh, bit of an Anfield legend, bit of a Liverpool legend. Been going the game home and away for many, many years. Can tell us all about the old days and what he thinks about the new stuff. Lead singer with The Farm, of course, you will know him as. Please give it up for our first guest this evening. It's Peter Hooten. <laughs> all right, Pete. Come and sit down on Pete Price's couch. Where do you want me to sit? Anywhere you want, kids. You can lounge if you want. Uh, thank you very much, Pete. Thank you for turning up. Uh, Pete, if, if you haven't listened before, Pete does the Alley de Rouge one uh, with, uh, with John Nicko and Mono and all that, isn't he? You just done one tonight, didn't you? Just done it, yeah. Just yeah. done it tonight. Alley de Rouge tonight, yeah. And Alley de Rouge tonight. It's yeah. good. It's like uh, Paul in Motion, only, you know, not quite as good, but it's. Uh, only joking. I can't understand what you're saying. Can't you hear me now? Are you from Liverpool? <laughs> I'm from. Do we need yeah, yeah, why what, what's the sound posh? It's just no, it's the PA. That's the PA. All right, fair enough. Right, Peter, you've been following the Reds since how what what age? What was your first match? Can you remember? Uh, first match in the sixties, probably I mean my dad took me, I can't remember it. But uh, I remember distinctly uh, when we won the league 72, 73, and it was Shankly's second grade team. It was an unbelievable feeling. It was like a communion between the fans and the team and the management. I think we've got that back now. Yeah, I think it's a good point. That I don't know whether you saw that story that was that was about when when FSG were looking for a new manager and they brought in a couple of managers and one was Ancelotti. There was another manager, another manager, and then there was Klopp. And Ancelotti and all the other managers had three names of top players in each position that they wanted to sign. And that was what they brought to the meeting. And Klopp apparently didn't have any players to sign. Klopp's first thing was to bridge the gap between the fans and the team again. I don't know whether you know this story, but it's when you think about how far it's come now and you just, you just hit it on the head, is it just us or do you feel the same thing? A, it feels so much more like a community again. It feels so much more like they've bridged that gap between the club and the fans. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think if you, if you look at what, what Shankly did, he totally revolutionised the club. I think you look at Klopp, he's done that. I mean, we had the false dawn with Brendan Rodgers, no doubt about that. But Brendan, you know, there was a lot of people on the internet talking about what he was saying and David Brent type <laughs> character. The players but called him David Brent. I, I think he, it's authenticity. And authenticity with, with Shankly, and you can see that with Klopp. It's the authenticity and the fact that it means so much to him. And you just look at the events, you know, with the homecoming. 
you know, you don't invent that. That's, that's real emotion, that's real feeling. And I think the club has got back to that uh, element. It has really closed the gap, there's no doubt about it. And there's a genuine feeling with Klopp, isn't it, that, that he wants to move on with this as well, he wants to push it forward. Is this, is this the best red side you've seen? It's Compared to Maddie, you've watched the like, and we're yeah. of a generation, some of you are, who saw the late 80s the Liverpool team. The best club performance I've ever seen was against Notts Forest 5 0. That's the best club performance in 88. Unbelievable performance. But Does that I better mean, the 4 0 Barcelona then? I think the 4 0 Barcelona is up there with it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things, it's very hard to say what's better, but I think the 4 0 Barcelona was so unexpected and it was so magnificent and such a fantastic night that I'd say that was the best European experience that I've ever seen at Anfield, yeah. I think one of the things about the 4-0 Barcelona thing that, that for me was, was amazing was how the timing of the goals. Because we scored the first one in six minutes. If we'd have been 3-0 up at half-time, we probably wouldn't have got through that game. But it was just the way we did it. It was the six minutes and then, we, then they held on. And then doing like two in two minutes. It was just the time and it just seemed yeah. like the fate were on our side. But of course, behind that was a load of hard work. It was just incredible. I did an interview with Catalonian TV on the Sunday. And I went to Anfield and they were sort of like, they weren't sneering, but they were sort of like saying, do you think they can you know, get this three-goal uh, three deficit back? I said, well, well, if Roma can do it, we can do it. And if we turn up on Tuesday night, if we, if we turn up and we don't believe, you're coming to Anfield. You haven't felt Anfield, and, I th- and they were sort of like, they were like tongue in cheek, thinking, "Oh, he's bullshitting this fella." But I think you know, on, on the night, they, f- they felt the power of Anfield, and I think it's a bit of a cliche, but I think on that night, it just surprised everyone. That sent shockwaves around the world. It sent shockwaves around the world. Barcelona were expecting to win the European Cup in Madrid, and we all know the history yeah. of Real Madrid and Barcelona. Everything they, they built for the last few years was to win the European Cup There's in Madrid. There's that footage of Messi on the pitch, isn't it, at the start of the season, and he's, and he's talking to the fans and he's saying the main thing is to bring it That's home in Madrid. It. And you see when, uh, I think it's Dembele miss, misses a chance at the end, which would have made it 4-0, and Messi starts punching yeah. the ground, and he, he's doing that because he knows that could be the crucial t- thing. Yeah. That could be the crucial... Because he said after the first leg that they were absolutely shattered, didn't he? He said they'd never been yeah. ran like that. They'd never been worked like that. And he was dreading the second leg 3-0 up because he knew that something was going to happen. They had a team meeting, I think, and uh, Balaguer, you know, the Spanish journalist, said they had a team meeting and Messi got them together and he said, we cannot play like that again against Liverpool. We've got to dictate the game. We've got to slow the game down. And you should see that. They were always trying to get back yeah. to the goalkeeper, weren't they? He said, because if we play like that again, we will be destroyed. And he was right. Well, that feeling about coming over out of Barca, and I think that transposed, transposed to the players as well, because I get the feeling that one of the things that kicked in on the 4-0 win was the, was the Liverpool. The team were angry. The team, were, were, their feelings had been hurt by that first result, because they knew it wasn't an, a, a correct result. They knew it wasn't an accurate result. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they felt hurt by it. There's a great bit of footage, I don't know where you saw it, when, they, when, they, when they, the, the group stages were being, were being um, picked. There's a, there's a bit, bit of footage, you might have seen it from Sky TV, and it's a Spanish reporter standing outside one of the grounds, and he's basically saying, none of the Spanish teams want Liverpool. 
Because before we'd picked anyone, none of them wanted us because they know what we can do. You've just hit on it then. What does that do around the world, Pete? What does that do for Liverpool Football Club? Well, and what has this season done for, for them in, 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 in European well, football? It's, it, you know, it, it's incalculable, really. You look at LFC Paul, um, some Twitter feeds out today about the celebrations around the world, Baghdad, you I know, don't know Orlando, whether you've seen it on Twitter, New York, it's brilliant. You know, everywhere, all around the world, everyone going crazy, singing Jamie Webster songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Jamie you Webster's going to be doing a world tour, do you know that? It's ridiculous. It's Get just supported absolutely. by the Rolling Stones. I don't think sometimes, you know, when we're doing events, we just don't realise how big we are as yeah. a football club. And, like, I've always, always counted parochialism because when I was a kid... I used to look at all the coaches on Priory Road who were there for the Everton games and Liverpool had two or three coaches and they'd have 30 coaches. And I used to think, one day we might be as big as them. Mm. You know, that was before, you know, that's before Shankly kicked in in Europe. And now look at it, they're celebrating parochialism. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, keep, you know, it, it's unbelievable. Where do, we could be possibly Real Madrid, Liverpool... Barcelona, we're, you know, the biggest clubs in the world, aren't we? We're up there with European royalty. It's unbelievable. And I did a, we did a gig on uh, Sunday in Salford. I had loads of, like, ex, you know, not ex-Man United fans, but Man United fans coming up to me going, you bastards, <laughs> you bastards. But shaking my hand going, I was just, like, sort of, like, smirking. But, it was, you know, shaking their hands, it was a family event. But they all had Stone Island on, so you knew they were like yeah. proper United fans from years ago. And they're so jealous of Liverpool, it's unbelievable. Well, it's a funny one, because we were discussing this before we started this, and, uh, and, and I kind of flippantly said, yeah, but the problem with United is they are miles behind, but they're one of the few clubs who can turn around and spend half a billion pounds trying to fix it, which they can't, they, they don't care about the size. But actually, I've been thinking about that now, and a little caveat to that is, if Klopp's proved anything, it's the... With the, with the exception of Van Dijk and Allison, he's done what he's done on, on a really tight budget. I think his net spend over four years, Pierce or Doyle will correct me on this or, or, or validate it. His net spend is 25 million a year, if over four years. It's 125 altogether. 125 million over four years is an extraordinary. So it's not about throwing money at it. Yet Allison is expensive and Van Dijk. But if you look at their, their worth now on the market, it was a. It was yeah. I mean, you know, you speak to United fans now, they're almost, they are almost in need of counselling. They definitely <laughs> are. No, they are. I'm telling you, I, I talked to shame, someone. I talked to them on Sunday, and they know Solskjaer's not the answer. They, no. they just, they would absolutely love they're a manager. Really, they're, they're stuck with them, aren't they now? They're lumbered with them. They love a manager with the natural enthusiasm of Jürgen Klopp, and that's what, they, you know. So, it's not about your Man United. I'm not, like, really... I'm just saying that how, how far we've come in recent years because it wasn't so long ago. It was only nine years ago. We had Roy Hodgson. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> well, uh, let's face it. We were three weeks away from administration. I don't know whether you know this, but I remember doing LFC TV just around about the time of the takeover with FSG coming in after the two Cowboys we had. We were three weeks away from going bankrupt. The, the, the administration papers were going in. The club was in. As, as bad a position that any football club can be in. We've just seen that happen with um, was it Wigan. Who's just gone into Bolton? Well, Bolton and Bolton. Betty, we've just been talking about yeah. them. John Coleman's over yeah. there from Atkinson Stanley. 
We've just been talking about Berry and Bolton, you know, really in financial difficulties. Really financial. Like, well, we were three well, weeks we were away there. from that. We were there. We were, we were there. there. FSG took over. Was it 300 odd million to take over? The, the price of the club are £2 billion now. So they've made their money out of it, no doubt about it. But we were that close. We had Hodgson. We had Christian Poulsen in midfield. <laughs> it's Can unbelievable you? thinking back on it. It's just incredible. We all knew they weren't Liverpool players. Yeah. But we, you know, the thing is about Klopp, I trust Klopp implicitly. I trust him like I trusted Paisley, Daglish and Shankly. He's unbelievable. It's like for us to have him. When he first came, we were like absolutely ecstatic. But, you know, did we realise how actually how good he was? Yeah, because yeah. we're thinking, oh, that's the German league. He might be able to do it in the Premier League. We don't know. But he's been absolutely unbelievable. And that, like, even on the, even on the coach on, the, on, on Sunday where he starts counting on his fingers, that is unbelievable. And, and, and he and nearly you, fell off. And you've seen it. <laughs> and he nearly fell off about four times, especially when he saw the fellow Bollocko and the Mankini on the ladder. I don't know if he's Have you seen that photo? <laughs> But that's just a bar of it. I mean, that, even that interview led to talk about six. You can just see the relief because, because we discussed this beforehand. If we'd have lost that final, it could have gone the other way. You know, he's, 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 he was ridiculed as it was, but you can see the relief on him. You can oh. see that, that that monkey's off his back, just using an expression, and, 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 and hopefully it's onwards and upwards. Alison's our goalie, the best it is around And Robbo is the greatest the Jäger never found Virgil is our favourite and master of the game And here's Mohamed Saleh to do once again We love you Liverpool, we do We love you Liverpool Defenders look ridiculous running down the way. In love and fear, in hate and tear. In love and in fear, in hate and tear. In love and fear, in hate and tear. In love and in fear, that Mo Salah, Mo Salah, running down the way. Salah, la, 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 the Egyptian king. Mo Salah, Mo Salah, Mo Salah, running down the way. Salah. Tell you what, we're going to add the other two to the mix now and bring another, another two guests on. We'll carry on the conversation. Are you ready in the corner there, boys? Uh, you probably know they are anyway, but please welcome to the stage to join in the Q&A. It's Ian Doyle and James Pierce from the Liverpool Echo. 
Let's talk about six, baby. baby. Let's talk about... Okay. Welcome aboard, guys. I've got some questions for you here, some good questions as well. But we've got some decent questions here. But we'll just, I'm just going to put to you what I've just put to Pete, really, um, individually. Is this the best Liverpool side you've seen? And, and where do they... What can you see happening from now on? I'll ask Ian first. Do you think this is something... We've had the false storm with Rodgers. This is, is very much different, though, Ian, isn't it? I think this is the best team in the Premier League era. But I agree, the 88 team was probably the best one that I've seen. You know, I'm not old enough to know the teams of the 60s and the 70s, but to get 97 points and to, to win the Champions League, you, you're going some. I mean, you look at the players that they've got on the manager they've got. I mean, it's all been said before, but I think this is definitely the best squad they've ever had. But easily, easily. Away, James, where, what, what's next for Liverpool, do you think? What, what can they aim for? Can they aim for everything? Well, I think the massive difference between this and Istanbul is... I think you knew with Istanbul that was a glorious one-off that was not going to be repeated because you looked at that team and you thought that team had no right to be crowned champions of Europe. You looked at how much work needed Igor to be done. Igor Bishkan. Exactly. exactly. Jimmy you know, Triori. Exactly. You know, Barros, Cisse, yeah. you know, Smitsa was on his way, Didi Haman towards the back end of his career. There was so much work that needed to be done. But you look at this team and I think it just feels like it's the start of something and that makes it all the more exciting, the fact that... You know, you look at the age range of those players, I think, you know, with the exception of James Milner, all of those players have got their best years still ahead of them. Um, and, you know, the, the, the vast majority are on long-term contracts, you know, to keep them at Anfield to kind of 2022, 2023. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, that, that makes it all the, all the more exciting, the fact that, you know, we've been building up to this for nearly you know, the best part of four years under Jurgen Klopp, but... You know, this, this is just the first glorious chapter that's been written. And also as well, they're talking today in the papers, they're talking about, well, we'll, I, I, we'll ask this in a minute because I know some of the questions are, are talking about transfers. They're talking about Delit. The odds on him signing have gone from 20 to 1 to 4 to 1 now. I mean, you don't know whether that's just paper speculation, but in, in terms of the transfers, we've become a club now where why wouldn't you want to come? It surely winning the Champions League, being so close as we did, and sending out them shockwaves around, around European football must make it easier when it comes to trying to sign players, surely. Yeah, huge. I think Tom Werner did a, the, the Liverpool chairman did an interview with the Echo last week, and he said, you know, he thinks the club's now in a position where they could attract anyone in world football. And that, you know, people will say, you know, words are cheap or whatever, but I think he's right. You know, why would any player not look at, you know, that advertisement we've seen over the last nine months, what that team's achieved? being part of that, that unity, the unbelievable bond with the fan base, which, as Peter said, you know, I don't think I can never remember it being stronger than no. it is now. Um, you know, who, who on earth would turn down the opportunity to be a part of that? And I think the other massive thing, as well as being able to attract players, you know, for the first time that I can remember, Liverpool are in a position where you know, you're not going to lose anyone. You're not going to... You know, there's been so many times in the last... Certainly in the recent history, the last 10, 12 years... And you, you think back to you know Alonso, Mascherano, Torres, Suarez, Coutinho. Just you know when when we've been on the brink of something special, then you've lost someone, and it's really set you back. And that's not going to happen now because I think I remember when Klopp first came in, he talked about wanting to make Liverpool a final destination for talent rather than just a stepping stone. And, and now you know that is the position that Liverpool now find themselves in. It wasn't that long ago we were a feeder club for the Barcelonas of the world, weren't we? And all our best players, you, yeah. were just, you were just waiting for the morning when you opened the paper and saw that Barcelona wanted them. I think that, that dialogue of, uh, as James say, we're not a stepping stone anymore. No. And you just see that by the celebrations on Saturday. 
You know, you see that, that people will want to be a part of that. Players will want to be a part of that. And if you saw Wijnaldum and, and Van Dijk going to the Dutch squad, it was on Brilliant. social media, and they just get cheered in and clapped in, and surely that's, that's what football's about. Football's about emotion, isn't it? It's not about just big business and whatever. It's about getting claps and yeah. handshakes off your teammates. And I think, you know, that, that's what's happened yeah, in the yeah. last few years with Liverpool. I don't think I've ever known a Liverpool team that's deserved to win something as much as this group. I mean, obviously, there have been great teams in the past, but for this one, you felt like to get 97 points, to get that many points and to give... You know, if you go all the games, you go all the home games, for example, you've had a great season, no matter what would have happened in the final. Because you'd have enjoyed every single game. They haven't lost. They've had so many great nights, certainly in Europe as well. But then to actually go on top of that and then win in the Champions League final, you felt... It's like when they, when they beat Barcelona, which I agree, by the way, is the best Anfield night ever. It's the best one I've ever seen. And the fact that they went on and won the trophy then, that makes it even better because there was something at the end of it. But you felt like really proud for them. You felt happy for them because you've, if you've seen them week in, week out on the amount of work that they put in to get where they are now and then to then, you, I mean, you saw it all with the celebrations in the, in the final itself in Madrid. They were absolutely made up and you've made up for them as well. It is. I'll, I'll start reading the questions we've had up now. I think I've just had something on my phone from the Echo that's Lallana's put in the transfer request, has he? Who's that, sorry? Lallana. He's put in a transfer request. Well, I've just seen a transfer declaration, but I don't know no, what No, his it declaration is. is that he's not going he, anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So he's on the opposite. <laughs> just Fake case. news. <laughs> I think that was just wishful thinking. That's I'm, a joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, all right. Uh, first question. I'm just going to read these out. And then what we'll do is, if you've got any particular questions, I'll pop down into the audience. And you can have a little question and ask the guys themselves, Pete or Ian or James as well, and just see what, is, what it is you want to uh, ask. Sam Williams. Is Sam Williams here? Hello, Sam. How are you, pal? Good lad, good lad. Sam is asking, was Saturday's Champions League victory the best one in Liverpool's history? I'd, I'd like to answer that with no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, please explain it, Sam. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So in context, he means off the back of the disappointments of not winning the league uh, and missing out, picking themselves up again and going here. Probably as well, another factor that is that they went there as favourites, I would imagine, for the first time it in, might, it in might a have been. It might have been the most important. It wasn't the, the most... most professional, possibly, as well. It wasn't the most dramatic, obviously, no. Istanbul was that. And then when we were winning the European Cup from 77 onwards, we expected to win it. Yeah. So in many ways, it's the most important because it's the springboard yeah. for what we can achieve. I can tell you, that I didn't go to, I didn't go to, to, um, to the final in Madrid. I didn't have a ticket, but I was going to fly over anyway just to be in the fan zone and stuff. If you've been over there before, a ticket obviously is the icing on the cake, but the cake tastes pretty nice when you're just getting smashed and, and dancing around anyway. The reason I didn't go, I'll tell you now, is because I went to Barca, we got beat 3-0, and I was walking down the steps coming out and... And then I started, when I got home, I started, we, we won them at home at Anfield, I didn't go to it. And I was looking at flights and it suddenly dawned on me that I'd never, I had such a, a, I had such a bad feeling about the final. I thought something was going to happen. I didn't think we were going to win. It was a horrible feeling I couldn't shake. I did the, I did the uh, Poetry Emotion podcast and they asked me for a score and I said we'd win 3-0. But that was me, heart ruling my head. And when we come off way and I said, I, I've just got a terrible feeling. So I didn't go because I suddenly realised I've never seen us win in Europe. So I was at Kiev, we got beat. Uh, I was at Athens and I got beat. We got beat. I've been to Besiktas in the, uh, in the Ataturk, we got beat. 
and, and against Barca. And I thought, just I'm not going. stay away. This is just what it was. stay away. So this is what it was. So I kept saying this to people, hoping they'd go, Fitzy, not to do with it. Just get over there. But they never, everyone went, fucking stay away. <laughs> so I didn't go. So in many ways, it probably was a, an important victory to answer Sam's question because of what it's springboarded and because of getting over the 97 points. It'll be important. Depends on what they do next. I agree with that. Uh, in terms of the best champions, well, European Cup final win, you're not getting past Istanbul, really. You're not getting you? past Istanbul, I don't you're think. Are we, we agree with Istanbul being the best? Just <laughs> 77. Well, I wasn't there, you see. I know you were. <laughs> I suppose you can't beat the first time, can you? Answer James, your own. James doesn't know yeah, about Put that. your own answer into that question. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Hughes, 93. It's a good question, Jamie Hughes. Are you there, Jamie Hughes? Good question, pal. What's the situation with Milner? One year left, getting quite old now, but seems as fit as ever. Do you think he'll get a new contract or go back to Leeds for a swan song at the end of his new contract? Go on, Piercy! Um... Well, from the start, he definitely has got a year left. There were some reports doing the rounds a few weeks back that he was, he was actually coming up to being a free agent. But uh, a year left, and Liverpool are going to give him an extension. I think I fully expect him to sign a 12-month extension um, what, that, to keep him at the club till the summer of 2021. Um, and I think that's a very, very wise move. Um, you know, I think he's incredibly underappreciated, I think, in terms of his value, not only on the pitch, which... You know, he's, he's more than played his part in this achievement, but what an absolute inspiration he is in the dressing room and the help he gives all the younger players. You know, he's, an, he's an absolute class act. And it is a, you know, it's a very young group, and there's not many players in that, in that dressing room that have won big trophies before, but he's one of them. And I think all the way through, when they've been in faced with difficult situations, his wealth of experience has, has massively signed through. And... Um, you know, I think the class of the man was underlined by the story on the Echo website earlier today that, you know, after the parade yeah. on, on Sunday evening, you know, he asked the bus to stop outside the house of uh, Andrew Devine, who people will know was a survivor from Hillsborough. And, you know, Andrew was wheeled out in his wheelchair and James Milner lifted the trophy up Incredible. to show to him. And uh, that underlines the man really as, as well as the player in Liverpool are very lucky to have someone like him. I don't think there's anyone here, is there any man, woman here that would not want James Milner to carry on playing in the red shirts? His, his impact in such a short space of time has just been incredible, hasn't it, Pete? Well, you know, James Miller is he's the ultimate professional, isn't he? He's absolutely brilliant. I think all fans can see that. His commitment to the club, his, his hard work, everything he does, as James said, he's a, he's a, he's a true professional. And you know, I've spoken to um, John Coleman's been on our podcast a few times, and he's just saying when they played Accrington, you can see behind closed doors Liverpool played Accrington last year or a couple of years ago. He said you can just see what Milner means. He's absolutely brilliant to all all the, all the players, and he was fantastic to the Accrington players. So that just shows you the type of man he is, and you can't fake that. You cannot fake no, that. No, you can't fake that. And I that. think everyone can see that. All Liverpool fans can appreciate that. Yeah. He's unbelievable. We know a fraud when we see one and we ate one, Ian. I mean, the thing about Milner as well, you've got to bear in mind, he, when he signed, he was signed by Brendan Rodgers to play centre mid and ended up playing a season at left-back because Alberto Moreno wasn't particularly good, to be honest. He's world-class. He is, exactly. world-class, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the best bit, he was actually responsible for one of the best bits in the final with the corner towards the end where he was like, do I take it from here? And then he moves yeah. it a bit and yeah. it's like just, just time-wasting. And it's that kind of experience that maybe... 
that Liverpool have needed. Like you see the game against Real Madrid last year where Real Madrid were doing that kind of thing and Liverpool, you know, cottoned on with that and went, you know, we'll do that. It's part of the reason why Tottenham lost as well because they weren't used to it. Whereas Milner, and, you know, he was, he was the key man in that respect. He's one of them players you want on in certain situations anyway, don't you? Yeah. Just to sort things out, just to put a foot on a ball. So he is priceless, I think. Uh, so hopefully the extension, and he, he'll be here for a couple of seasons to come. Uh, Jordan Park, is it? Hello, Jordan. Thanks, mate. Which player who spent last season on loan will make the biggest impact on the first team next year? And will any of them be involved? Um, well, who have we got? We've got... Ha I mean, Harry Wilson. Harry Wilson. Yeah. He's had a great season. There's no doubt about it. But is he going to feature? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, if Derby had come up, I think he'd have stayed there on loan for another season. I mean, now we're just waiting to see what, what happens with him. Has he got a chance? I think he's quite good, but... Is he good enough to fit into a team that's got, you know, Mane, Firmino, Salah, and then possibly some other new signings to come? I'm not sure. I hope he does get given a chance. It's certainly in, in the summer when they go out on the tour and he, get, he plays a few games because you've seen, you know, I think Rafa Camacho got that and he played a few games last season. So there are opportunities for the youngsters, but he's probably the only one of the, the ones that are out on loan that I can see having any kind of chance next season. Percy, anything to add? Uh, I think it's the end of the road for Adam Bogdan. I think we can definitely... I for think we, For Adam Bogdan. I think yeah, we can rule that yeah. one out. Shame that. I think... Do you know what? I think the awkward thing for those young players is being very good is no longer good enough to yeah. make it at Liverpool. If you rewind to the early years of Brendan Rodgers' reign and you had players like Andre Wisdom and Suso making 15, 20 appearances in a season, that's just not the level Liverpool are at now. The bar's set so, so high. They're even someone like Harry Wilson who had a fantastic season at Derby, but... It's in the championship. You know, is he really going to push Salamane, Firmino? I I'm not sure. I think, um, I think a lot of those young players, people like Wilson, Ryan Kent, you know, named Scotland PFA Young Player of the Year, had a great season up there. Uh, Shea Ojo will be coming back. You know, Marco Gruwich, I think he's won. If I was thinking of... Klopp really likes Gruwich, doesn't he? Because yeah, he's kept him all the time. Yeah, he's kept him on loan, but he's kept him all the time. And he's a, you know, he's a lovely, lovely kid, Gruwich, as well. Like, you know was you know absolute dream for you speak to people at Hertha Berlin they absolutely loved him they want to try and keep hold of him although they they haven't got the money to to try and buy him permanently um I think with a lot of those players a lot of it as Ian said because of the Copa America and the Africa Cup of Nations Liverpool won't be in any rush to sell them because they'll need they'll need bodies essentially in those early weeks of pre-season and then it's down to them to to prove themselves to to Klopp but yeah, I still think someone like Harry Wilson is probably more likely than not will be sold um, if the right offers come in. But, you know, you're looking at 15, 20 million, I think, for him, minimum. Yeah, he had a decent season, scored some great goals. Here's a great question. Rednap07, where are you? Whatever you are, good question. I think one we all thought about. Gomez or Matip for start of next season? Great question because, I mean, Gomez yeah. was, was on fire till he got injured, but Matip has just been outstanding, has he not, Pete? Matip was absolutely unbelievable, wasn't he? He's been fantastic. You know, much derided early on in the season, but what he's been, you know, he's possibly, you know, on, on Saturday. You know, well, won the man the match. Well, yeah. he was up there, wasn't he? He was up there. His ball for the Rigi's winner was, was Obviously, Gomez is a fantastic player. Unfortunate with the injury, but Matip has proved a lot of people wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's on a free, wasn't he, a few years ago? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable player. 
and it's it's all about confidence and it's all about having a run of games. And if you don't get a run of games, you're just throwing in the team. You can look susceptible. Yeah. But it just shows you what a run of games can do. And his partnership now with Van Dyke, you'd say, well, Lovren's not getting in the team. No. No. So fantastic. I mean, I'd go as far to say that the last couple of months, maybe Matip has consistently been Liverpool's best pure defender yeah. in terms of what he's done. I mean, but everybody likes it when he goes off for a wander and goes up front and turns into Messi for about five seconds, <laughs> then w- wonders what he's doing, then goes, oh, gets shit, a nosebleed get back. and turns back. Yeah. But in answer to the question, I don't know, and I don't think Klopp knows, and what a great problem that is to have, to have like an England international and a Champions League winner to pick from alongside the best defender in the world. I think possibly it's a case of Matip starting and Gomez trying to prove it. Let's have a show of hands who thinks Matip should start alongside Van Dijk and, uh, or Gomez. Yes, yeah, Matip in it at the moment. I think it's just because he's proved it. And I think part of being in a big squad is that you prove your position and somebody else... You a get few months on. ago, no one's hands would no, have gone No, no one's would have gone, but, but Matip, absolutely not. You'd have more gone Lovren, wouldn't you? That just shows you how much he's done. I know the night Give him the ball and he'll score every time See, senor Give the ball to Bobby and he will score there's something that the cop wants you to know The best in the world is Bobby Firmino I know the Give him the ball and he'll score every time See, senor Give the ball to Bobby and he will score there's something that the clock wants you to know The best in the world is Bobby for me no. Every other Saturday's me half day off Well and it's off to the match I go I like to take a walk along the Anfield Road Me and me old pal Joe I love to see the lasses with the red scarves on We love to hear the cop eyes But I don't have to tell you that the best of all We love to see the Liverpool score The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Another one for Mr Redknapp Do you expect any more departures after Studge and Moreno? Anyone else out the door you can tell us about? Yeah, I, I think probably Simon Mignolet. I think he would be the only other kind of senior member of that squad I think we might see move on just because I think, I think he's too good and too yeah. young to be... And he's conducted himself qu- quite well, hasn't he, to be fair? Yeah. Considering he's been gathering splinters yeah. in his arse for the last God knows how long. And, and do you know what? He's, um, you know, he's taken a fair bit of stick over the course of his Liverpool career, but he, he's been absolutely sensational for that squad this season, I think. You only had to look at his reaction after the final whistle on Saturday night, the way he made a beeline for Alison Becker. Um, I think it's been a lot easier for him to take this season being back up to Alison, someone of that calibre, rather than I think he found it very, very difficult last season 
being being the deputy to Loris Carriers because I think Mignolet is a better keeper than Loris yeah. Carriers. Um, I'm a better keeper than Loris Carriers. <laughs> <laughs> he's, but he's better think, looking though. You know, again, you know, Liverpool. I've got weak wrists. I can do it. Liverpool will get decent money for yeah. Mignolet. I think you've been how looking at about How can you say that million. when he congratulated us? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a good question that's coming a couple of times as well, so I'll read that. Um, with Sturridge going, what are the chances of Ryan, Ryan Brewster uh, stepping up, given a chance this year? Obviously, he's got to break the, the front three, but is there, are they the possibilities? Because a lot of people are wanting to know probably transfers now. How do, we go, how do you go about buying players that know they're going to be having to get into that side? That, that's the conundrum now. That's the puzzle, isn't it? The Klopp has to try and break. Is there, how are you going to attract players and say, by the way, you ain't walking into this side? You know, your Brants and your, and your Werners and your Timo Werners. They're not going to be guaranteed. They're not signing them, guaranteeing them first-team football. So is it, is it more of an interesting point for them to say, we've got Ryan, Ryan Brewster, we've got Divock Origi, who clearly knows his place but can do it. How does he go forward from that? What does he do? Yeah, it is, a, it is an awkward one for him because you know, Firmino barely misses games. I know he missed, obviously, he had the, the groin issue towards the back end of the season, but he's an absolute machine. He works so hard, of, doesn't he? That it's... Yeah, and he's so integral to the way Liverpool play. And then you've got Origi's resurgence. I think, I think Origi will sign a new contract this summer to, to stay at the club long term. So he's going to be the obvious senior kind of backup to Firmino. And then we'll certainly see Rian Brewster emerge as a Liverpool player next season, no doubt about that. You know, um, Klopp has... You know, a, a massive, massive fan of his. He was, you know, he was out for the best part of 13, 14 months. But it was telling that as soon as he suffered that bad injury, Klopp moved him straight from the academy to Melwood. Wanted him to be around the first team squad. Wanted to, to bed him in because he sees him as is that important. He was looking to the long term. Um, you know, he, obviously he was on the bench, wasn't he, for the uh, the Barcelona game? Um, and you know, he even had a. Well, I think. Klopp poured a, beer, a bottle of beer over his head, didn't he, during the parade on, the, yeah. on, on Sunday. So, uh, you know, he's, he's very much already integrated into that squad and we'll definitely see Brewster playing a part next season. I mean, Brewster's won an under-17 World Cup with England. Yeah, and, got a champion, and was played, played yeah, the tournament. Yeah, and she got a Champions League winner's medal and he's never played a senior <laughs> game of football. But James is right. I mean, Klopp absolutely loves him. Brewster obviously had that big setback where I think it was, he, was meant, he was meant to be out for about six months and it ended up being 13 months or something like that. And that kind of set him back a long way. But I would be amazed if he hasn't made his debut within like two or three months of the start of the season. He's a great player. There was a really awkward moment. I you saw a really eggy moment on the bus on the parade where they were interviewing Ryan Brewster about how it feels to have a, a, a medal. And Richie Partridge come in pissed. First of all, how did he get on the bus? <laughs> Kissed Ryan Brewster on the side of the face and said, how many times have you played for Liverpool? You've got a medal and you haven't even played for them. I've played three times. <laughs> and then just wandered off and you think, well, that was shit, mate. What was that about? <laughs> but it really kind of, you can see Brewster get really embarrassed by it. It was a really horrible thing to, but he's going to figure. There's some, surely he's too good a player not to figure. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Klopp really rates him. But I think if we're, le we're losing storage, yeah. you know, and obviously um, in the quiz question, his last goal was against Chelsea yeah. uh, in the league. But we've got to replace someone like Stur I mean, and Ryan Brewster won't be that replacement no so we've got to go out so we were talking about this before on the podcast Liverpool have got to go out and spend some money you need that competition for places yeah, yeah. because we were pretty lucky I think this season we had a few injuries Firmino particularly but uh, we were pretty lucky with injuries so I think if we're going to try and win that Premier League 
we need to spend money on a top striker. And, and um, John Coleman was saying, we should put a bid in for Son. Just put a bid in for Son. You know, we've made loads of money out of the Champions League. Put a bid in for Son. For Son we've got to get that type of level of yeah, player yeah. who can fit into the team. Well, here's, my, here's a question, and I'll come in and just we'll finish off the night, and we'll just ask a few questions from you guys. But here's a question that I think is quite relevant now, is that we've made supposedly 250 million quid out of the accumulative... Out of tonight. Out of tonight, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks, everyone. No, lira. 250 million lira we made tonight. About 40 quid. 250 million quid in both competitions collectively in the league and in... We, we, we bought Van Dijk for 75 million, which, you know, up to that point, it was 30-odd million, wasn't it? And then we went for Van Dijk. Becker's 65, 67. But I remember doing a few podcasts with you, James, and I sort of said to you, is this now changing the culture of Liverpool football clubs spending? And you were very quick to say, no, 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 no. I don't think we're going to see them kind of figures again. Those figures came about because of the, sell, the sale of Coutinho. But what I, what I want to know is, do FSG not realise that buying them players were fundamentally the reason why we've pushed on? So to go back to a 30, 40 million pound spending policy, I'm not talking about going nuts, I'm talking about buying the right players for inflated prices, which is how it is now. They're talking about delete 80 million quid. Now, if Liverpool are going to start turning their nose up at those players, then should we not now be realising that 75 million for Van Dijk and players of that ilk, we've got to start spending that money if we've earned that much? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think with, with the lit, I think the way it's been explained to me is that you know, Liverpool feel as if they've got someone in the pipeline who's, who's going to be on that kind of level with, in, in Kajana Hoover, who's, He's a great player, who's by the way. 17 years of age. We saw him uh, play in the FA Cup back in January. His goal he scored for the, for the, the, um, the Dutch side recently yeah. was unbelievable. And, and do you know what? Joe Gomez is an absolute class act. You know, I think it's easy to forget because he... You know, sat out the second half of the season just how good he was alongside Van Dijk in the first half of the season. So, you know, unless there's a drastic change but of policy... But to lease aside, I'm talking about what Pete just said about world-class strikers or world-class, you know, positions that have to be filled. Are Liverpool likely to, to, to recoil at 60, 70 million pound no. bids? Or are not, we at not that if they, No, not if they're convinced that they're game-changers, which is what Klopp described Alisson and Van Dijk as. You know, I think... The owners and the manager have proved that if they if they can pinpoint the right ones and they're absolutely convinced that they are going to make a, a fundamental difference to the team, then they'll go and spend that money. The money's there. I think, you know, the what the word has been this summer is they feel as if that team and the squad largely is pretty much as they want it for next season, and that it's just a case of tinkering around the edges. And you know, if of course a big you know, a, a big money sign-in suddenly became available at, at a price that they thought was was decent business, then they would go for it. But um, I think the thing you've also got to factor in is people obviously look at those headline figures of 250 million from the Champions League, Premier League TV money. But Liverpool have, I think, I think the commitment is about 150 million with the new contracts they dished out in the last 12 months for the likes of Salah, Mane and Firmino. So it's not like, it's not like there's 250 million quid there sitting sitting in Mike Gordon's pocket asking to be spent. Don't forget that as well that Liverpool have got the best goalkeeper in the world, the best defender in the world, one of the best left-backs in the world, the best young right-back in the world, three of the best forwards. Who did he buy that can be better than them? The, 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 the talent pool becomes so much smaller because they've got so many good players. I mean, there'll always be players who can come in and, and bolt, bolt to the squad, but then it comes back to the issue that we mentioned before about who's going to come for that amount of money 
and then sit on the bench every week. They're not going to. And also as well, I think if you look back at some of the signings and some of the things the business they've done, you got Andy Robertson from a relegated side for what, seven million? Shakiri relegated side for 13 million. Uh, Trent's free. But Wayne Alden was from a relegated side as well. Well, Wayne Alden, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've done incredible business, haven't they? I'm going to come into yours. Does anyone want to put their hand up and ask? And, and we'll, if anyone's got a question, I'll come down. I will come amongst you. I'm going to say. If you can think of any, then no problem. But I'll go this side first. I'll make my way round. Be careful now. <laughs> okay, young man, what's your name again, sir? Jamie. Jamie, what's your question, Jamie? So thinking about a backup keeper, um, Buffon's just announced that he's leaving PSG. Is that the type of keeper that they'd be looking for? Is that, or, or is that too much of an ego? Who, Buffon? Yeah. Buffon. If he's for free, you may, yeah, I think he would be a great signing. Because I think James is right. I think Mignolet will go. And he's going to be a player. He knows he's not going to be playing every single week. He, pretty, he might not play hardly any games, but he's somebody who's got that experience and he can help improve the, you know, the goalkeeping talent pool that we mentioned. Thank you very much, young man. Yes, what's your question? Uh, what's your name? Scott. Hiya, Scott. How old are you, Scott? Two old 44. Look at game shit. Where are you from, Scott? What's your question, Scott? Um, just the fact, seeing the footage of uh, the, the, our Dutch players going to see the Dutch squad being embraced so emotionally about winning the Champions League. And then, no doubt, Shaqiri, when he met up with the Swiss squad, it was going to be the same. And our English players having to go to England, and it's like, oh, nice one. It wasn't even... You know, is it about time we stop Liverpool players playing for England? Because let's be honest, it's, let's be honest, it's London FC and we just need to put a lid on it now because enough's enough. <laughs> 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 Answer this one, we'll start to pierce you. Start to pierce and go across. Is it, is it about time we stop Liverpool players playing for London FC? Playing for England? In one word, yes. <laughs> But I mean, there's, you know, there's not many English players, is there? You know, so, but, you know, if you look at it, if you look at it, you see Wijnaldum and Van Dijk going to Holland. You see other players go, go to Brazil. Actually, when you see them playing for those teams, you're actually quite proud of them, aren't you? Yeah. You're quite proud of them. It's just, I think, the legacy of England and Liverpool and the, what, the problems John Barnes had all those years ago, underappreciated. Uh, I think, do what Ferguson did. Get a um, you know a convenient injury rather than say no. I think it's one you probably have to ask the players. If you ask them whether they want to play for England, they're bound to say yes. So as much as we might not like it, I think that they're not going to not turn up. Although they could do with a bit more injuries. I agree. <laughs> well, false injuries, not the ones we normally get, which are Fake genuine injuries, ones to yeah. keep them out. Yes, James. Yeah, I mean. What, what I would say is it's slightly a different dynamic, isn't it, for the Liverpool lads going to the England setup? Because I think there was some awkward footage I saw online today of obviously Harry Kane and Danny Rose are linking up at the same time. Ah, bless. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get the kind of reception for the Liverpool lads that uh, that, that Genie and, and Virgil got when they went to the, the Netherlands squad. But um, yeah, I think we all know what we think about England as supporters. But to the players, it it still means a lot. Just a quick question before we get a question off you. How much do you think Harry Kane's ego played a part in the final? Because Massive, declaring yeah. himself fit when yeah, yeah. the manager had said he might not have been forced his hand playing yeah. him, didn't he? Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, he put him under huge pressure, didn't he? I think you, you know, what you'd have expected him to have come out and said, you know, it's down to the manager. But he didn't. He, all week he was saying, I'm 100%, I'm fine. 
I think you're right. He did. He put Pochettino under huge pressure to play him, and that massively played into into Liverpool's hands. Twenty-three so, touches in the entire yeah. match. and you look at the way that I think Klopp was decisive. You know, Firmino. You know, I thought Firmino was more, had more of an influence than Kane had on the game. But even then, Klopp was quick to you know before the hour mark took Firmino off, freshened things up. Um, while Pochettino left Kane on, and you know that helped Liverpool lift that trophy. Yeah, absolutely. What's your question, young man? It's just about Coutinho, really, Doyle. So, what do you think? Yes or no? Yeah, I think this is reference to we did a, a Blood Red <laughs> Live last week in, in Dublin, and we were asked a question about whether or not you bring Coutinho back. And I know that James, he actually thinks that for the right money, they would do. But I, you know, but I answered it first, and all the and I said, yeah, I would do for the right money. And all the crowd just started like hissing and booing and heckling. Yeah, heckling. Just me. Never mind Coutinho. And then they asked James, and what was your answer, James? No chance. <laughs> he belongs to the past. Yeah. Is that the general feeling with everyone in the room then, is it, that Coutinho... Do you feel like we, we're missing a player of Coutinho's qualities, though, rather than Coutinho? For instance, the Fakir, before it Fakir'd off. Would you think that Fakir was the kind of person you'd want? So it's basically you want someone to fulfil the role of Coutinho, just not Coutinho. We Hazard. Neil, we discussed this on Alain Le Rouge uh, and John Coleman, who's the only manager in here, I can see, he said he'd have him back in a flash. I'd say, I'd say the same as James, I'd say no. But, you know, if John says, if John's opinion is get him back, I think we're a better team as a team, yeah. as a unit without Coutinho, even though he has flashes of brilliance and we score loads more goals from outside the box with Coutinho. He had too much of an impact on the way we set up and played, didn't he? When I he played. think we set up better as a working team, as a unit, without Coutinho, but John disagrees with me and he's Atkinson Stanley's manager. So he knows more than me. What he does come in Andy for now is to point out to players who do want to leave that you can just say, well, look what happened to Coutinho. And he may not want to leave because he is the, the prime example of how not Get to leave Get him back, the club. put him on the bench. Yes, young man. I'm going, what's your name, sir? Peter. Do you reckon we're one of the teams that now, it's not at the way where the players think they go to Madrid or Barca. We're one of them teams that are the best in the world where the players want to come to. Me mic back, there you go, that's what happens. <laughs> did you hear that question? Was it what, what the, did they want to come to Re Liverpool as well as Real Madrid and Barcelona? That kind of thing. Do you think like, <laughs> the players don't want to move now and the players want to come to Liverpool? Yeah. You don't want to go to the teams like Real Madrid, your past teams like that. Yeah, so basically, saying Peter's saying the influence of Liverpool now is equal to that now. People will want yeah. to come to Liverpool as opposed to Barcelona yeah, and Real I think, Madrid. You know, we, we, you know, we said that before. I think if you look at that team spirit on Saturday, you look at all the celebrations, who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want to come to that? Anyone in the right mind? You look at uh, South Americans will be looking at that. We've seen all the videos from all around the world. Everyone will see that. Players will see that and they go, I want a bit of that. I want those hugs. I need those hugs. That's what it's all about. I think that's as much of it as well. I think, I think, I think players seeing the camaraderie at the club it's not just what we're doing on the pitch. It's not just what we're winning. I think they'd want to be a part of that, wouldn't they? They'd want to see 
that it's a, it's a loving, isn't it? Everyone loves, the fans love them, the players love each other, they all respect each other. I think that's all part and parcel of it, I think, isn't it? Right, here's your question. Don't you dare take me, Mike. Can I have your mic? So we've had some really good free transfers and we've had some really shite free transfers like Vornan over the years. Lovely hair though. I, 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 I can't. No, I meant him. <laughs> I love your hair as well. To be fair, I can't really comment, can I? Um, but who's better, Jimmy or Gary Mach? Not Jimmy Sayori. Jimmy Milner. Or Gary Mach as a free transfer. Who's your best free transfer, James Milner or Gary McAllister? James Milner, I'd say. Simply because he, st he stuck around long. I know Gary McAllister was a lot older, and he did it in a very short space of time. He wasn't playing the, the second season, so you'd have to say Milner. Yeah, in terms of longevity, you'd have to go with Milner in terms of, what has he been around for four years already? Just the sheer impact he's had on that Klopp revolution, you'd have to go for him. He's a centered eye. He's a number four. Watch him defend, and we watch him score. He passed the ball, calm as you like. He's Virgil van Dijk, he's Virgil van Dijk. Well, everyone is blonde, and everyone is beautiful, yeah. We're blind and beautiful and multiple because so dumb and beautiful. We're fierce with dumb and beautiful. If I read one in flesh, battle cocky personality, beat it underwear. We've been to PSG and Napoli, Belgrade and then we went the Allianz with Liverpool score play Also Barcelona do the get trying to get Cause we're the mighty Liverpool We won it in Madrid We made it number six We've conquered all of Europe we're never gonna stop From Paris down to Turkey We won the fucking lot But Paisley and Bushankle The fields of Anfield We are your supporters And we come from Liverpool We've conquered all of Where do we come from?
conquered all of Europe. Thank you. Any more questions? Anyone from the floor? Anyone got a question? Yes, my man, you've got another question. Here you go. What's the feedback this time? So thinking about how we've taken a um, relegated player after the past few years, out of the ones that were relegated last season, who would you take? Ryan Sessegnon. Apart from him. (laughs) Definitely him. Definitely him. He's knocked his back once, hasn't he? He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'd I'd still have him. I think think he'd be perfect because he can play in a number of different positions as well. Um, still young, I think he's the kind of player that Klopp would get the best out of. I, c- I couldn't even name you a Huddersfield player, let alone take one. You're, so, you're not having no. none of them no, would get in the Echo none team. No, none of them. No. <laughs> I'd, I'd agree with James. I'd say setting on board. If it wasn't a relegated team, I love Anderson. Go for West Ham. Yeah. Seeing him play, I, I think he'd suit Liverpool's game perfectly, and you'd probably get him off of. 40, 50 million, something like that. I mean, we're saying that as if it's nothing. But, but you know, in, in today's prices, obviously, but I think someone like Anderson, if West Ham were relegated, Anderson. Interesting question, and let's keep up on that, because your man over here said about uh, Hazard for the year in his contract, he's going to Madrid. But, Hazard, yeah. Yeah, but who else in the league now, because we're talking about like the likes of Ruben Neves and people like who else... This season's just gone really kind of impressed you playing for another team. I know, are, we, are we looking into the Leicester player? The Madison. Madison, James Madison. There's talks going on there, is there? No. No. Don't need the anyway. echo then. That's where I read it. I'd say uh, we should... I'd say we should put a cheeky bid in for Gomez. That would yeah, well, really... Yeah. yeah, the Everton player, Gomez. <laughs> put a not, cheeky bid in for not him. Not the fellow of the Adams family. Who? Gomez, who plays for Everton. Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else think of any other players in the league that have... You sod off you, we might. Anyone, anyone else in the league that's, 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 that's impressed you from a different team? Is that Wan Bazaka? Yeah, he's a decent player as well. Go on, my mate. You say Zaha, then? Ryan Fraser, decent player. I'm not sure he's a Liverpool player, but decent player. Canel, run around the other side, you know. Who? Jorginho from Chelsea. Zaha. What about the Wilfred Zaha? How do you stand on him? Would you stand on him? <laughs> uh, do you like him? Do you not like him? I suppose it depends how realistic we're going to be, doesn't it? But Jordi Tielemans, you know, he's not Leicester's player. Good player. Tielemans is a good player, isn't he? Can Leicester afford him? Any other questions from the floor? Yeah. i take Vardy. Yes, young man. What's your name? Sean. We talked about the Coutinho type player. I know Shaqiri's not on the level of him, but I think he's a similar type of player in terms of creating chances from that midfield position where I know he probably wants to play or Klopp wants him to play. But what is the Shaqiri situation at the moment? Good question, that. Good question, that, because I think... Well, I, as a show of hands, do we all love Shaqiri? It's just a great player. He feels like someone... Or, 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 because I, I got a taxi on at the weekend and he's... Taxi driver said he was Shakiri's best mate, and he's definitely going. <laughs> <laughs> if they come from a taxi but driver, it's true. I, when you see those celebrations, even though we didn't get on, it was unbelievable. You yeah. know, the fact that Shakiri and, to, to be fair, Moreno, the fact that they were celebrating so much just shows you what me, the club means to these people. And Shakiri, I want, I want Shakiri to stay. I think he's a quality player. Yeah. 
Uh, I think he was a little bit underused, but obviously Klopp must have his reasons for that. But when he was called upon, he gave 100% all the time. All. I think it was possibly his defensive issues, wasn't it, that, yeah. that maybe swayed Klopp would play him a lot of the times. But let's face it, if he did throw in a transfer request, the guys on the, ch on the pitch with the Champions League trophy after being relegated with Stoke, I mean, where's he going to go, for Christ's sake? But, you know, surely he'd want teams like... He's great as he, if he knows his place and knows that he ain't going to contribute that much, but when he does, he really makes an effort. He's worth keeping, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think, it, I think he'll stick around at least Sorry, for Paul. another year. Um, I think you're right. I think he would have played more if Klopp felt he could have adjusted more defensively to play him maybe as the, the more advanced to one of the three in midfield. I think because of the three, the front three was so kind of set in stone, he was never really going to force his way in there. And Klopp tried him a few times, didn't he, in, in like an advanced central role, but it... I think he felt that sometimes it left Liverpool far too open in a season when Klopp put a real emphasis on solidity and game management and control. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, yeah, as Peter said, you only had to see, you know, not, not just his reaction, but Sturridge's, Moreno, Lovren. You know, Lovren in the space of 12 months went from being Liverpool's best player in Kiev to, you know, effectively fourth choice centre half, yet was absolutely fully immersed in those celebrations and that that's the magic of Klopp the fact that he's he's managed to create something so special where regardless of whether you're playing every week or whether you're a bit part player you've you've bought into that that team ethic absolutely 100% I think if if for Shaqiri to stay I think it'll just be down to him really I don't think there's any suggestion Liverpool want to get rid of him he was speaking after the final on Saturday and he, he was saying that my me, me next target next season is to win the Premier League so unless you're joining Man City which I don't think is happening I think he's going to be staying and as far as midfield's concerned you've got to remember that of course we've got uh, Naby Keita to come back injured but was starting to find his feet and start to come up with some really good performances he's going to be keeping some of, the, some of our players out as it is and, and Chamberlain of course yeah. and, and Chamberlain of course as well so you know plenty to look forward to with that respect any more, any more questions go ahead my mate you, you can take the mic sorry P hello Tuto how are you doing? All right, lad. <laughs> um, what's Give it going to take? Song. Sorry. Give us a song. <laughs> what's it going to take to make um, Liverpool champions from um, runners-up next year? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I honestly think, you know, you, you, City had 100 points previous season, 98. I think they're this, this slightly on the wane. They might get 95, 96 <laughs> next season. We've just got to maintain what we were doing. I think whichever way you look at it, City's got an agent squad, companies going, uh, unless, you know, we can't tell, but obviously to, to beat a you know, Guardiola team, you've got to be extra special and you've got to have a little bit of luck. I think it came down to the Etihad. I think when you talked about the 11 millimetres before, that was so crucial. We get a draw there, we win the league. You know, and it's, it's, you're talking about very small margins, tiny margins, but I think Liverpool will maintain what they did last year. I think City, I can't see City going on a run like they did at the end of the season. It was an unbelievable run. It was a 14 unbeaten. 14 games on the run, uh, beat the Premier League record of 13. They, they'd already done 18 the year before, so they'd gone from 18 to 14. You never know. You know, will they go on a run like that again? I think their priority will next year will be the Champions League. And I just think we've just got to maintain this momentum 
And I think we're in their heads. We're in Guardiola's head. There's no doubt about it. He came for the draw at Anfield last year. I've never. I couldn't believe it. He came for the draw. And he was happy with the, you know, with the draw. Do you think? So do, I think do you think I, off the back of that, Pete? Do you think that City were in Klopp's head though, as well? Because I said that one before on the podcast. We're really in Guardiola's head, and then yeah, and I felt both games were very defensive. Yeah, possibly, by Klopp as well. Company will, ne- you know, company that goal he scored. That that's just it's one of those things, isn't it? He hadn't had a shot so on target from outside the box since 2012. So out the question. All the team are shouting at him, "Don't shoot! <laughs> yeah. Don't shoot!" Because he couldn't hit a barn door. Yeah. And it goes flies in the top corner. He so ain't for the barn door. It's small and margins. And I think Klopp has got that momentum now, and I think you know that's what we want next year, and I think we can do it. I, th- I, I think what will help Liverpool is if the the authorities actually show some balls and actually find City and punish them for the you know, alleged financial problems that they've had. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that and I think that there's no smoke without fire in this particular sense. I mean, it's difficult for Liverpool, isn't it? Because you know, City are perhaps a little bit of an ageing team. I, I think if Liverpool get 97 points next season, they'll be winning the league. But you know, can you see City dropping, like losing five or six games? You can't really see it. But the funny thing is, at the end of this season... City's players will have all been watching that game on Saturday thinking, I wish that had been us. You alright? Uh, it's for Ian and James mostly. Um, um, what do you think with the news with Leon and the getting rid of Fikir with a year left on his deal? Will we go back or is his needs host? It's an interesting one because Liverpool have always been adamant since what happened last summer that they're out, that, that ship has sailed. I think. It was talked today that they'd even be willing to take 15, 20 million for him. Now he's, he's down to his last year and to, to inevitably you kind of think, well, is there a threshold where if it drops, the price drops to a certain point, the Liverpool think, do you know what, it's worth that gamble. Um, I must admit, at the moment, I don't know the answer to that. All, all I know is that Liverpool felt it was tough, far too great a risk a year ago, 53 million quid, five-year contract on £150,000 a week for a fella that they were convinced had a dodgy knee where his ACL hadn't been repaired properly and was likely to break down and be out for a significant amount of time. So, um, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't really pulled up any trees, has he, over the, over the course of this season? Um, again, you know, I, I just think Liverpool seem to now have moved to, to such a level. You know, I suppose the only option would be if, if he is available at such a knockdown price, whether you decide it's worth that gamble on, on his knee, but um, I must admit, I'm not aware of any ongoing interest there. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, an opinion. I thought I'd leave you to it for a sec there, wouldn't I? I thought he had, a, have an opinion on I, I had nothing to say on it, no. You seem James to be, said uh, it all. James knows the score on that, that respect, but you know, I thought, you know, when we missed out on Vicar, we were all disappointed, and there's lots of Twitter. Speculation was that you know announced for care that you got that all the time, didn't you? But as you say, I think we're on a different level now. Maybe we're on a different level. Um, well, with that in mind, then, Pete, who do you think? And it was one of the questions earlier. Who do you think we should be going for? What positions do you think we need to fill? Where we are we weak? We need if a weak le- at all, we, need, we-, we need a left back cover, uh, and we need a, a top class striker. Probably need a keeper as well. Reserve Creative keeper. midfielder, though. This is the point here. What are we... Well, the, the Oxlade-Chamberlain's one, isn't he? I mean, he's been out for a year, and he, he's somebody who 
the last, you know, when he was playing the last thing, three or four months where he was actually playing, he was making a massive difference. And he was proving that player who could get the link between the, the midfield and the forward line. So, you know, Klopp spent a lot of money on him and I think he'd be willing to give him, you know, keep faith in him. If we slipped up last year, it was for one reason, one reason only, was we had too many draws, right? And when we went to our, and if you, if you wanted to put all them draws in, in one single game, if you like, yeah? In a nutshell, we went to Man United and we were far too cautious. And if we would have had someone like Coutinho, for argument's sake, I know we don't all agree on Coutinho, but if we'd have had someone with the creation of Coutinho, we'd have took them to the cleaners. And I think that, it's that shot from outside the box. It's that dropping the shoulder and bending something in. It was something, yeah. from, something out of only, nothing. Don't, don't forget we in that game, dropped, Firmino got injured, didn't he? Firmino went off very early in that yeah. United game. We only dropped 17 points last season. So, you know when Evertonian said, oh, you lost the league and Man United fans, you lost the league at Old Trafford. You lost it. Oh, do you all want to say it's that? It's not, it's, you know, we lost 17 points. No points or no two points is better than any other points. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know, we were almost perfect. But, you know, City were just that little bit more perfect. Anything else from anyone before we wrap things up? One more question off our mate here and then we'll wrap things up then. Have you enjoyed yourselves? Yeah. Thanks for coming and supporting Blood Red. Really, really appreciate it. Yes, young man? Any truth with Memphis Depay? What that he's called Memphis Depay? That is true, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I don't... James? No, I'm not aware of uh, any interest. I know there have been rumours, but uh, no, I think he's just mates with Genie. Who isn't? Or as Steve McManaman calls him, Gino. <laughs> Steve McManaman? Steve McManaman. He's your favourite player, isn't he? Just now, I've talked posh, doesn't he? <laughs> Likes to say ing, doesn't he? Attacking. Uh, any other questions before we wrap things up? Are we all done? One more, there we go, my mate. It's probably a question in two parts. We're talking a lot about recruitment tonight. About we haven't got time for two parts. Anyway. <laughs> about, uh, about players who we would like to see come to Liverpool. But... How much importance is placed on the actual attitudes of the players and what the players are like as people? Because I think that goes a long way in Liverpool at this, yeah. at this team. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, that's huge. And I think you, you look at Liverpool's success under Klopp and it has been built on the personalities they've bought as much as the, the quality of the players. And, and that's why he's got a dressing room as good as it is at the moment because you know, there have been players... I don't want to name any names, but over the, probably the last 15, 20 years, who you just know have been disruptive influences and, and big, you know, big, big egos that you sense were in it for themselves. And there's just no one like that in that dressing room now. And, and that's, that all goes down to the, the massive amount of research that they go into. And people talk about you know, the, the use of analytics and statistics, but it goes, a, it goes a lot deeper than that in terms of speaking to people that players have worked with previously, uh, you know, character references, just knowing, being able, absolutely convinced that a certain player is going to come in and not going to rock the boat and is going to buy into exactly what's asked of them. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that has been, I'd say it's probably been the single most important thing under Klopp, the fact that he's bought such good people. You only have to see, you know, the, the, the work that they do. You know, just there's so many players, there's been so many stories this season of, you know, not off their own back. It's not for the media. It's not for, to get personal praise. You know, they, they, they just, they, they want to they be part of the club. They want to buy into it. Yeah. They want to be part of the community. And that is, you know, 
that is a, a key element of what the you know what Klopp has created at Liverpool. I mean, James is right. There are no you didn't want to say, but there are no knobheads basically there, are there? <laughs> and I'll ask a question to you lot. Then has there ever been a Liverpool team that you've loved as much as this one? Just because of the way that they are. And even if they hadn't won the Champions League, would you still love them just as much? That's why yeah, uh, I wrote just something for the 4-4-2 a while back, uh, comparing Klopp to Shankly, as I said before, because it's about the team. It's not about the individual. And that's what he's, he's sort of like uh, instilled into the team. It's all about the collective. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't emphasise that too much because basically that's what it's all about. In the past, we might have had individuals where you said, I'll give the ball to him and he'll get us out of it, whether it was Gerard or Coutinho or whatever. But now it's a collective and that's what Shankly's team is all about and that's what Klopp's team is all about. Yeah. I was going to say, very few players during Klopp's time haven't bought into that. I'd say one who who didn't was Mamadou Sakho, and he didn't hang around much longer after that. Yeah. Ed, I think you'll all agree as well. If you've been looking at social media recently on Twitter or on, 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 uh, on WhatsApp and stuff, there's so much stuff now to watch, so many stuff been put together as compilations. If you've seen it, I don't know if it's on NFC TV, but if you've seen the thing where it's Klopp reading about the team and about the history, and it shows Shankly, if anything's going to bring a tear to your eye, it's that. Go log on to it, look onto social media, go onto the LFC channel or the LFC website and just find it. It's, it's footage of the team, it's footage of Shankly and it's Klopp reading all that thing about it's not a song, it's an anthem and all that kind of thing, but it's just the way he reads it. It just brings a tear to your eye. It's been one of the most moving seasons for me, I think, because we've had time to digest all that. The performances on the pitch, the passion on the pitch, how close the team have become to the fans, how close the club has become to the fans again. So if you get a chance, just go on LFC TV or one of their websites and just look at the many kind of uh, compilation pieces of video there is now, and it's just, it just makes the hair stand on, on your arm, and it's brilliant. So I've enjoyed this season. I think it's onwards and upwards, isn't it? I think we guess we're going to go strength to strength. Everyone agree with that? Yeah. Up the Reds! You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.